Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. It is Florida State Notre Dame week. The Knowles headed to hallowed ground in South Bend. And Keith, but first, let's talk basketball. I told you. I you told did. you. You guaranteed. I guaranteed you, went, you a win last you week. You went Joe Namath on us last week. I mean, you laid it down. I will I've say never this. shaved my legs, though. I will say this. I've got nothing. I was not. I was unprepared for such wit from you so early in the show. That was that was a beatdown. I mean that was that was impressive. I, I I like a lot of parts of this Florida State team. I had not seen them play. You'd been to the exhibition games. Obviously, you work with the team. I hadn't seen them yet. I'd only heard things. It was impressive. Impressive for two reasons. Number one, they did it without Phil Kofer, which technically is their leading returning score. And number two, uh, they did it with defense. Although Coach Hamilton speaks and and stresses defense all the time. You saw it from the old kids. You saw it from the new kids. You saw it in the first quarter. You saw it in the first half. You saw it in the second half. Uh, I mean, they were up by as many as 35 at one time when they kind of backed off the screws mentally and allowed Florida. I think Florida finished the game on an 18-8 to run or 20-8 to run or something that made the final margin 21. But other than Florida getting the first basket, FSU never was tied and never was behind in that ball game. And uh, that was an impressive first outing, no question. I thought, well – Two things, and I was sitting in the stands. Uh, it was big date night for the block household, um, which, you, you know, appropriately, we went to a sporting event. The two things that stuck out, one, Florida just didn't know what to do with the length of, of this FSU team, which is no different than how Leonard always likes to build us. I mean, they, it was just a struggle for them to make a pass, quite frankly, or get a rebound or do anything. And two, I thought everybody that I saw for Florida State looked fit. I mean, like they were committed in the offseason. It didn't seem like there was a bunch of dead weight here yeah, or there. Kamaji, Kamaji, uh, and Kamaji's got good weight Kamaji, on him. They won't, tell, they, they, they won't tell me how much weight he has gained. They just simply tell me he now weighs 270. It looks he like, came at 215, and that was a couple of years ago, so you do the math for that period of time. Uh, his legs, I mean, he's still very slender in the hips and his legs, but he's actually gotten pretty broad in the shoulders and got a little definition in those arms and, uh, you know, wasn't getting pushed off the block. And, of course, Raycon Gray, um, you know, has lost about 40 pounds. He's down to about 260, 265. He needs to be around 240, I would think. No one told me that. That's my personal opinion. And he showed his quickness. I mean, he brought the ball up from in the end on one particular uh, rebound. Uh, and and then even even the young kids, you know, you expect them to come in at six four or six six and be string beans. Uh, they've all got definition to them. I don't know what Mike Bradley, the the strength and conditioning coach for basketball, is doing, but uh, keep it up. It's working. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, Keith, who's going to start at quarterback this week? Blackman. That's what I think as well. No, I right, well I, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk again next week. I don't have any inside information because uh, you know it's something we haven't talked about. The the Willie Taggart um, staff, Willie Taggart aura, is about as tight-lipped as the John Swafford aura <laughs> at the ACC conference office. I mean, you can't get anybody to tell you anything about anything. Uh, maybe, maybe on a Thursday or Friday as they get a little closer. 
So that's my personal opinion. I, I see no reason why you would do other than continue to let Blackman play given the uh, performance he had last week. We talked about it in our first look show. He He's just more instinctual in our opinion, my opinion. I think you agree with that. He, he certainly had a better pocket presence. It's a short sample size, and this is not going to be great weather conditions this weekend. But uh, I would agree. I, I mean, we'll see what – Tim adds to that, and we'll talk to him, our Seminoles.com insider coming up. But I would think that's where it lands as well. And and the weather does concern me in that uh, it's not only going to be not good, it may be bad, uh, depending on when that, that thing, whatever they call it, comes in or leaves or another one comes, whatever the case may be. But, I mean, you know, the worst-case scenario, and you're going to be down on the sidelines. In fact, one of your uh, one of your questions for Tim should be, at what point does Tom Block return to the booth? <laughs> in the Notre Dame game, but it may be in the 20s. The better question may be, what point do I leave the booth? Because there may not be a return involved. That's true, too. <laughs> uh, that is very true. Because uh, I mean, one Let's of the, go one to the, the reports, back of the booth and check in with Tom. Hey, one, Gene, one, I tell you what, I'm pretty cozy right here in front of the heater. Now back to you. One of the, one of the weather reports I saw was uh, you know in the mid-20s was sleet. Uh, so you you figure out what Florida boys are going to do with that. I'm going to give a shout-out uh, to, the, to the person that deserves praise. Now, I don't have this in my possession, but I, my first text of the day yesterday was from the Colonel Chip Baker, and it was a picture of two Florida State w- black winter ski jacket, like the, the warmest jacket you can find. He said, baseball goes to South Bend in March. I need these back, but come get them. <laughs> And, Colonel, I will be paying you a visit later today or tomorrow as I pack up you know, to you go to South that, Bend. We, we, we were doing uh, games with Sun Sports. Um, you, you, of course, were down on the sidelines, as you always are, uh, braving the weather. Occasionally, Kenny, Kennedy and I would get stuck in a situation where they didn't have a booth for us. And one of the places that that routinely happened was Maryland. We'd be way up on the top of that tower at Bird Stadium, and we would be outside. We'd be by Campo. <laughs> who, who does the film for for FSU? We would be outdoors. One year, we went down uh, and got the heavy parkas that the team can wear when it is uh, that type of weather. And I wore that parka for the entire broadcast, and 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 I was very thankful to have it. Very thankful to have it. The last time I think I was this cold <clears throat> at an FSU game. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, was Florida State heavy underdogs, and it was Boston College in 2007, and they beat Matt Ryan, and, and they, BC was number two. I don't remember where Florida State was. The Knowles might have been ranked, but that was the beginning of the end for Bobby, and they weren't a very good team that right, year, but they, right. they beat but BC. They somehow found a way to get that one. So what I hear you saying is you're going to keep the window in the booth closed this week. Gene G- likes to G- have – Gene and I were ta- – we were walking out of the Gene basketball arena. Gene likes to arena. have that thing open. But we were walking out of the basketball arena last night about 11.45, 12, whatever time it was. Jones, I like that window up, but we may not do that in South Bend. <laughs> okay, Gene. <laughs> we'll leave it closed. We're going to do uh, two things in this next segment. We'll have our normal rapid fire with our Seminoles.com insider. But uh, now, granted, Tim's – Younger than us, considerably younger. I, I haven't done the math on how many years younger. So he wasn't around for the entire Florida State Notre Dame history, probably. But we're gonna we're gonna quiz him a little bit about the history we're of the series. We're revisit. Yeah. Now, if he's read the, and I didn't pull these from the game notes, so it's probably all in the game notes. And if he's read the notes, he'll probably get them. But we'll see. And, and by the way, have you noticed we haven't talked about the loss at all yet? Really? We did that on Sunday. Okay. Just just checking. 
What, what would you like to add about it? The defense I, I, couldn't I, fill a gap. I, I mean, would it was, just like to add that we've gone six or eight or ten minutes and haven't talked about it. We can. I don't want to. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we we got to fill the hour, so I'm sure that we'll get back to it. Um, oh, how about the women's soccer? Can game? I continue to share this? I joke about this every week, and I'm going to do it again. Uh, what could I do to stop you? The Logan Tyler thing just bothers me on the sideline. You 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 were in my ear three different times. He's a good athlete. I, <laughs> I listen. If Tom Lang hasn't heard the story, I know that he has nervous energy. But when the punter gets a ball and is practicing into the net before the offense has even taken the field, it just does not inspire confidence. No, 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 no. You you missed it. He was doing that as soon as the uh, as soon as NC State had won the toss and deferred. That, <laughs> as, soon, as soon as they deferred, he grabbed the ball and went to the net. I, and this is what I say, and I'm poking fun at Logan. I know it's a nervous energy thing. Like he, instead of sitting on the bench, I'm going to either be catching a snap or, or, or you know, I'm going to be kicking to the net. I get it. But when you look up and literally from me to you is Logan punting. And on the other side of the glass there is Willie talking to the entire offense who's getting set to go out for first down. It's like we got to maybe that's where the issues lie, huh? The things that Mr. Blockitzer observes. <laughs> All right. The guy who really makes observations will join us next. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. You know who else is very good at observations? Who? Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson is. I'm glad you observed that I had forgotten to give a shout-out to the good friends of ours at Madison Social and, and Township and Centrale. He's very, very good. Yes, and, and so are those establishments, so you should pay them a visit. Many of you did that uh, either before or after last night's basketball win because I think they are the official. I don't know if they're the official or the unofficial, but they're close to the Civic Center. Or the well, Tucker Center or the TLC the Double watch, C or whatever the we're calling it. official watch party for away games. So I guess that would make them the official, I'm fixing to go to the game place for home games. Something like that. Yeah. No way out of this except to go to break. So we'll do that and come back with Tim. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, and I'm not going to pretend an Irish accent here, but it is time for our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, new music appropriately. Uh, we are getting ready to face the Irish this week. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing well, except for the fact that I'm going to be standing on the sideline on Saturday, and it's not going to be very pleasant weather, I'm told. No, it's going to make you feel alive, man. I'll try to remember that. I'll keep that in the back of my head as my he'll be frostbite cuddle, he'll be cuddling in. with the la, le, uh, leprechaun, leprechaun. What's that guy called? Leprechaun. Yeah, him too. We Maybe may can build a fire. We may have a leprechaun question in rapid fire. That's called a tease. Right. Tim, the uh, the start of the conversation here. Your general reaction to what we saw on Saturday in Raleigh. Keith and I have uh, purposely avoided talking about that game. We talked basketball and some other things, but so we're putting it on you to to recap the NC State affair for us. Well, I mean, I think you have to be pretty disappointed in it, right? Uh, I thought that was a not a uh, an obvious win for Florida State, but certainly a winnable game. And you, you sort of looked at it as an opportunity 
to show growth. Like if you, if you were making improvements and you were making strides and you were growing together, uh, you know, as a program and, and, uh, and, you know, showing up some of the things that you had struggled with, this was a great opportunity to show it because you know, NC State was a quality opponent, but also one that had been vulnerable uh, over the last couple of weeks, having gotten beat pretty bad by Clemson and then losing at Syracuse and coming off of that. And uh, Sounds it, like it, a Florida really State happened. team to me. What's that? So that sounds like a Florida State team to me. Lou Badley, Clemson, and then the <laughs> well, you know, there there are some uh, some similarities there for sure. Uh, but, you know, what disappointed me, I actually thought the offense played for the most part pretty well. I mean, the running game at this point is what it is. But I thought James Blackman was pretty sharp. It was good to see Tamori and Terry get so involved in the passing game. Uh, there's a few things to like there, but but uh, defensively, uh, it was tough. You know, NC State had a really hard time running the ball coming into that game. I think they were like 126 in the country and uh, in average yards per game and like around 110 in yards per carry. And, uh, and they ran the ball, you know, they, they weren't going crazy with it, but they certainly ran the ball when they needed to. Um, were able to pick up tough yards that way and, and, and move the chains and that really opened up the passing game. And uh, there were some difficult calls uh, I thought against Florida state, but you know, look, it's uh, in, a, in a game with that type of final score, it's, it's hard to, to blame the officials and have much credibility doing it. So, uh, yeah, it's tough, and uh, you know, certainly an uphill climb uh, going into this weekend in Notre Dame. You would have liked to have gotten some positive momentum, and, and just seeing what you could do with it, if if anything. Uh, but but now they're going to try to find that from somewhere else. I thought the NC State game, uh, Tim, was the first game of the year where you would point your finger at the defense and not the offense. Is that is that fair? And and why do you think that might be? Well, I I agree to an extent. I actually kind of think that the the defense hasn't been as in the spotlight over the last few weeks or really over the course of the season uh, just because we paid so much attention to the offense when they've been having a hard time. But you know, if you go back and look, I mean, there are a few signs that, uh, that the defense is having some growing pain, uh, particularly in the secondary, and then um, it just kind of were masked a little bit uh, because, you know, all you could talk about was the offense. So you'd say, you know, if the, if the offense is only scoring seven points the way they did at Syracuse or, or uh, you know, whatever the case may be in uh, some of those other games, um, it's easier to, to talk about the offense than it is the defense, but you know the defense was having some issues too. Uh, you know, look, they didn't have Levante Taylor. I don't want to, uh, to you know downplay that too much. They were without their best cornerback, uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, on a day when when James Blackman makes his first start of the season, throws for more than 400 yards and four touchdowns on the road, uh, and the game is not close, uh, <laughs> that kind of uh, puts you, you know, that, that reflects poorly on some other areas. You mentioned James Blackman. Is he going to start this week? We'll see, man. I, you know, after that game at NC State, I would have told you yes. Uh, but uh, but Willie Taggart left it open at his Monday press conference. Uh, DeAndre Francois, I don't know if you saw his comments before practice on Tuesday, but, uh, but he said unequivocally that, that he's the number one guy and that everyone understands that, Willie Taggart and James Blackman uh, included, and that he expects to start on Saturday. So, well, okay. I, mean, I certainly admire the attitude. Um, you know, you got to that's, that's the kind of belief you have to have, I guess. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I guess on Saturday if that's something that uh, that DeAndre knows and, and is saying as such, or if uh, if he's speaking it, you know, into existence, so to speak. I really don't know um, at, at this point. I just said uh, 48 hours ago I would have sworn it be James Blackman, but uh, hearing DeAndre speak and, and uh, the uh, the way that he was about it, and and more than just that, I mean, look, he has been a Florida State starting quarterback. I think uh, you know Willie Taggart has stood by him. Uh, really, I mean, uh, 100% of the time throughout this season. Uh, he didn't start last week because he was injured, and, and, and Willie Tagger made that clear that that was the reason he didn't start. So Not according to Andre, he wasn't injured. Well, well, no, he said he, he said that he, uh, he he was having some issues and getting right. He said he feels better now. 
And then he, you know, he wasn't fully dressed. You know, he had his uniform on on Saturday, but he, uh, he wasn't wearing his knee brace, which kind of indicated that he wasn't going to play. Um, but anyway, all that to say is that, um, that, you know, there's actually kind of a lot of reason to think that it's going to be the under principle, I think. Stay tuned. I'm going to force you to make an answer on that coming up. Another <laughs> okay. tease. All right, let's talk uh, basketball, Tim. That was a whooping last night. Oh, my goodness. How about that? Yeah, I, you know, you, you thought that, kind of like Florida State's chances in that game. I was a little worried to see what they'd look like without Phil Kofer. And anytime you're playing, a, I guess, a Power 5 opponent, and certainly one that's you know, been a pretty solid program, you, you wonder what could happen. But, man, a lot. I don't know that anybody saw uh, I mean, it, the, the final score. It really wasn't indicative of uh, just how bad a beating it was. It ended up being 21, which is nothing to sneeze at. But even Mike White, Florida's coach, after the game said it could have been 40. Uh, and he's absolutely right about that. I think at, at one point it was thirty-five. Just for clarification, right? Was that what it was? Okay. Yep. They the final score ended up being twenty-one, and and I thought that was, uh, if anything, not fair to Florida State. I thought that they were they were even better than that. Certainly a promising start. I mean, especially when you consider Kofers out. I mean, if that's yeah, where, yeah. if that's where you're going to start. Uh, because I, I mean, that's about as complete a game as I've seen this early in the season from a Leonard team in a while, right? Am I missing? Am I no, missing no. One? I, I mean, normally, normally in fact, uh, like, of course, you're normally not playing Florida or that kind of high profile both, game. Both but, coaches, you know, kind of publicly expressed that you know, while this is great for the, the game and it brings a lot of hype and notoriety and certainly gets your kids' attention early in your camp, much like football does when you play one of those away game or, or neutral site places uh, uh, contest. But in basketball in particular, I mean, Florida had won 27 consecutive opening games because they never play anybody. And, and, and now you're playing both sides looking at an, a quality opponent. And, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me that I'd forgotten about is when Florida State beat them by 20 down in Gainesville last year, Florida was number five in the country. So here's a team that was number five in the country last year and you beat by 20. And you beat them again this year, opening game by twenty-one. Are they that bad, or might you be that good? Well, and it's an interesting dynamic, Keith. And I'm not to say it's the exact same thing, but if you remember that Florida team, they were ranked number five based largely on the fact that they had played pretty well uh, early in the season. Remember, they they played in that preseason tournament. They beat—I don't remember who they beat—but they beat a high-profile team out there, and then they played Duke really well, and they lost. But uh, but people basically treated it as a win. They climbed in the polls. Uh, and then they were, you know, sort of feeling yourselves a little bit, thinking that, uh, you know, you, you're, uh, you're, you're a really good team and you maybe start reading your press a little bit. And then, uh, and then what happens is, you know, Florida State comes down and bring, brings you back to earth. And in some senses, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, Florida ended up having a nice year, but they certainly never climbed back to, to where they were uh, at the number five ranking or, or with those types of expectations. And not to say that Florida State has to worry about that. They don't have a, a game like that, at least not coming up uh, immediately. Uh, but, you know, potentially a cautionary tale against reading too much into one game and, and getting too high on yourselves after one game. Because, look, I do, look, Florida, look, I thought pretty bad last night. Uh, but I do think that they're going to be, you know, pretty solid by the end of the season. That freshman they have, Denbard, is, I think he's going to be a really nice player. Uh, it's just, you know, and from their perspective, starting a uh, season on the road uh, against a difficult opponent, an experienced opponent that knows how to beat you. Uh, don't forget, Leonard Hamilton's never lost to Mike Wade. Uh, that's a pretty big ask for them. Well, and remember, too, that Florida is projected to be number two in the SEC when everything's said and done, uh, only behind Kentucky, who Duke played last night. And talk about another woodshed whooping. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think Duke's got a few of those for people this year. Hey, 
the road to the ACC championship goes through the tuck, though. Am I right? Are you with me? I like it. I like it. Hey, speaking of ACC championships, before we get to rapid fire, Tim, uh, the soccer team won another one, and the volleyball team may get one this weekend. So uh, things looking good. Yeah, no, uh, pretty cool uh, season for both of those programs, really. Uh, you know, soccer, I think you could probably say, is clicking pretty much at the right time um, in terms of what they're doing. But, you know, it's funny. I was talking to, uh, to Mark Florian uh, after the selection show on Monday, and, you know, it's no secret they've had some ups and downs this year, some uh, some, some results that were probably head-scratchers, especially when you consider the, the amount of talent that they have. And he said, you know, look, uh, weirdly enough, through – whether it's injuries or international duty or whatever else, he said they've had about six games where they've had their full complement of players, and that's obviously not a very high percentage uh, of your season. But uh, now that it's tournament time, postseason time, you see what they were able to do when they have a full roster. I mean, beating the teams that they beat on the way to uh, on the way to this championship, you know, Virginia in the regular season, Virginia again in the in the uh, in the ACC tournament and the North Carolina, of course, in the championship game. I mean, those are pretty much as good a teams as you're going to face. Uh, you might face teams as good, but it's going to be hard to get too many teams better than North Carolina, uh, and you beat them in carry. And, and, and you know, it shows a pretty nice resilience, I thought, getting up two goals, uh, seeing that lead slip away late and having kind of everything against you, uh, and you come back and win the game anyway. That's a pretty impressive result. Speaking of impressive, Tim, we're going to go ahead and pull out the red pen and grade you again on rapid fire. And Remember, you were eight and one last week. Eight and one. Eight and one, man. It's hard to beat that. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and cue it up. Fire away. An oldie but a goodie. Will there be a one hundred yard rusher for FSU this week? No. Will Florida State sack Finley? No. How many new starters will there be for Florida State? I'm setting the over-under at three and a half. Over. I'm not going to be as simple as to say, will they have fewer than 16 penalties? Because Lord knows they better. So I'm going to set that mark at eight and a half. I cut it in half, and now I'm asking you, are we going over or under eight and a half penalties by FSU? Uh, Over. There's an epic, uh, particularly if you're an NC State fan, I guess, video, and I don't remember which uh, game this was, but it's the shot of the should-be-an-offensive-lineman guy with no shirt, maybe overalls, rooting for NC State that's in the stands, climbing the pole. You know the video. It's, it's a meme. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that guy going to be similarly attired and visible at this week's game? I think he is similarly attired and visible every day. Most importantly, will FSU win? I think so. All right, we should give you the the fat guy one. I mean, I didn't see him personally, but I thought your answer deserved that. I think we got to give him at least uh, just just one wrong there at the end. All right, so, well, I'll bet he was so there. that's a five and one week for Mister. It's a five and one. Okay, felt. we've we've got two exams for you today, though. Uh, so, so this is going to be more challenging. First, we're going to go through rapid fire, which you continue to ace, and then we'll get to the real the real examination. So, are, are you prepared, Tim? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, here we go with rapid fire. The starting quarterback for Florida State will be Francois or Blackman. Say Francois. Will Florida State have a running back go over 100 yards rushing? No. Will I take a selfie with the leprechaun? Yes. The temperature over under is 30 and a half degrees. Any point yeah, during the game. The any point during the game. Under. Will it snow? Yes. Number of layers of clothing I will be wearing over and under is three and a half. Over, I hope. Yeah, me too. 
Number of catches for Terry, bearing in mind the weather, and I'm setting that at three and a half. Over. P.J. Savoy was the leading scorer last night. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Will P.J. have more points against Tulane on Sunday or will the FSU football team score more points against Notre Dame? Who's going to have more points? Mm, P.J. Number of goals for the Florida State soccer team will score in its uh, NCAA opener this week against Loyola Chicago over under four and a half? Under. And will the volleyball team be ACC champions when we talk next week? Yes. All right, definitive answers, and I have no reason to, to doubt that you won't be at least 90% there. Now we're testing your history, Tim. This is just this is like the bonus extra this credit. This is throwback time. You won't even have to take the course next semester if you go ahead and ace this, all right? That's, called, that's called clepping. Now, I, yeah, will, still thing. I will say I have not looked at this week's game notes, and if you have, this this information is probably all detailed in there. But I tried to pick – got a question from every game in the history of FSU Notre Dame. Oh, boy, okay. Starting in 1981, which, by the way, was the first time FSU and Notre Dame played, also the last time FSU missed a bowl. Uh, Florida State played at Notre Dame that year. It was part of the five-game Oktoberfest when Florida State played five powers in a row on the road. Mm-hmm. What was FSU's record in the Oktoberfest? Two and three, right? <clears throat> three and two. That was really loud. Yep. Bonus question, name three of the five schools they played. Well, I can name all five of the schools they played. All right, then let's hear it. Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Pitt. Oh, man, you just reeled that off, no problem. Okay, very good. And I know they lost to Pitt. Who was the other one they lost to? You know, I didn't look that, so let's think about that. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. I know they beat LSU. I think they yeah. beat Ohio State. Well, then there you go. So Nebraska. They lost to Nebraska. Um, okay, 1993, that game, game of the century, first ever college game day on location. Who was the television sideline reporter that day? O.J. Simpson. There you go. All right. All right. 1994, the very next year, FSU-Notre Dame. Where was that game played? Orlando. Correct. Two running backs for Florida State went over 100 yards. Name them. Well, they've been done in Preston. Very good. See, this this guy's on it. All right, 1996. It's going to get easier now because now we're like when you were alive and stuff, Tim. But 1996. Well, I don't a whole lot about that Orange Bowl, so we'll see. <laughs> Uh, the quarterback and receiver combo that's shown for Florida State in that game was? Uh, was uh, Canal and Andre Cooper. Technically, Andre Cupper, if you listen to the way Bobby said it, but we'll give you credit for that. Uh, the the 0-2 game, Florida State played two quarterbacks in a loss here at Doak. Who were they? Been Chris Ricks and Adrian McPherson. Very good. Sorry to bring that up. Uh, in oh, 03, know. All Saints Day, when Florida State blanked the Irish, this DB, who's from the, the Big Bend area, had a pick six. Uh, Cromartie? Nope. No. Okay. No, no. Just, you, get, you get more recent. That's when I struggle. Yeah. He wasn't as high, pro- he wasn't as high profile. He's a high school coach in the area. Corey now. Fuller. Corey Fuller in 03? I'm just guessing. Remember, I don't Kyler. remember nothing. You, you really do have, like, decades just combined into the same year. Corey Fuller finished in 93. Ninety. Actually, 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 that's not right either. He played in the choke at Doke in ninety four. Just throwing out names. Okay, Leroy Smith is the answer to that question. Uh, okay, Leroy Smith. I should have known that. Sorry, Leroy. All right, uh, game winning touchdown catch in the uh, Champs Bowl in twenty eleven. That um, that Rashad. There you go. Yeah. And uh, this one's pretty easy, but uh, the twenty fourteen matchup here at Doke featured a, a quarterback that uh, wound up being a starter for both teams during his career. That would be. Everett Golson. There you go. All right, that what was a pre- moment in time that was. That was pretty good. I Seven mean, and two. 
the, the O.J. Simpson thing, you know, that that is what it is, as it turned out. But uh, good job I mean, on the Oktoberfest. I wasn't aware that you would be that up on 1981. You know, it's, I, I cheer a little bit, you know, when uh, when I was back at the uh, at the Osceola, the, the, the newspaper, when I started my uh, my endeavor in this world, we, we spent a lot of time. Uh, we, we did a feature on, like, the 25th anniversary of the Oktoberfest. We did when that Champs Bowl was coming. Uh, we did, like, a retrospective on all the times after she had played Notre Dame. So I did pretty well on uh, – on some of those, I still remember some of that trivia. Hey, last... they, uh, you know, for two teams that don't play each other, it's actually a surprisingly uh, <laughs> lengthy and uh, and pretty uh, pretty fun history. Tenth meeting, uh, ninth meeting, ninth meeting, and Florida State leads six two, mm-hmm. I think, based on that. Hey, uh, have you been to South Bend before? I never have. No. Okay, so cool. Here's what you need to do when you check in: you got to at least go to the locker room on the Notre Dame side. You got to at least hit the "Play Like a Champion Today" sign. At least take can you do side. that? Uh, I did it last time we were there. I mean, oh, on know, a Friday or a Saturday. I, you just, I mean, if you're there, we'll be there before the game. Enough time to wander around and see. I mean, I, I don't recall if it's actually. Yeah, it probably is too tied. It might have been the day before the game that we were able to do that last year. Notre Dame may be a little preoccupied in the locker room to do that. Kind of figure they uh, keep that thing like yeah. a case and glass or something, but yeah. maybe not. And if you're the opponent, they probably, uh, you know, frown if you're over there messing around. Okay, Tim. Well, safe travels. Pack warm. We'll see you this weekend. You guys also see you. Our Seminoles.com and say much better than expected. Don't make fun of me when I mention Corey Fuller. It had nothing to do with Corey Fuller. It was just the decade that was missing. I'm a, I'm impressed I remembered Corey's last name. <laughs> I could have called him Simon. Well, and there was Corey Sawyer played in that. I I'd forgotten about him too. Okay, we'll take a break, come back, and we'll see what else Keith has uh, forgotten <laughs> when Front Row Knowles continues. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, we continue little stroll down memory lane there. Tim did well. Now, except he and I are, are at odds because he says Francois is going to start, and I say Blackman's going to start. I think it, it, it's hard for me to see why it wouldn't be Blackman after last week, but who knows? I got nothing. Not a ton has been talked about, uh, or maybe I've just been too busy to pay attention to it, about the other changes that were made. What were they? Well, Nooney was suspended, but Gavin didn't play in the first half either, so that's two. Uh, Francois, I guess, with the injury, there was an offensive line change as well with, uh, was it Arnold that was benched? But then, then Minshew got hurt. But then Minshew got hurt. So, I mean, technically that was four changes offensively. Now, some of them may have been injury. Some of them may not have been effort. Was Westbrook the only one on the defensive no, side? No, Westbrook played. That On the defensive well, side, it was, was it? it was Kyle Myers. Kyle Myers, okay. Uh, Cyrus Fagan did not play as much. Dontavious Jackson didn't play the first series, but then he went in immediately. Really, Kyle Myers was the one I saw that um, – I'm trying to think if there's somebody else I'm missing. Uh, no, I mean, Levanta was out with an injury. He didn't so so there there was four or five. I mean, I, I don't – but you and I discussed it. There, there wasn't an effort issue last week. No, there, that there was, is correct. There was, an is correct. Ass, there was an assignment issue defensively. I mean, I – I think we've got a combination of things. You've had a year in which the defense has been on the field a lot. 
and we've all known the linebacker play is not going to be very good. And now Florida State's playing better teams, and it got exposed. Well, and that was my reason for my question to Tim, you know, because it is the first time we've kind of pointed fingers at the defensive side, and um, you know, and I do agree with you. I I think the effort was much improved uh, versus NC State. The penalties, though, they and they and they keep coming up with new and creative ways to to make penalties. They're not even they're not even the pre-snap or kicking game penalties anymore. They're new and improved. Well, defensively, they're just it's just not smart. It, Willie calls them selfish penalties. That's what you call them. It's just channeling your uh, your aggression, your energy, your emotions the wrong way. Um, I did think that some of them were ticky tack and uh, the pass interference. I thought some of those were ticky tack, shouldn't have been called, or should have been no calls. The one on Woodby, I was standing right there, and the whistle had blown. and the, And the problem is that he went ahead and flipped the guy. It wasn't that long after the whistle blew, but I would uh, but contend, I think, but but you just gotta you just gotta let up. And I would contend that if that play had happened in the middle of the field, they might not have thrown the flag, but because it was quote unquote out of bounds. You know, there's more focus but, on it. But regardless, I mean, you just got to get rid of those things. Right. And and Willie has come out and said, despite everybody's pleas and urges about the kick returns, that they're going to continue to run them out. And you can see that that Helton and some of the guys back there have talent. But man, it is just it, it's taking an offense that is struggling to get a first down and just putting it at the bottom of Mount Everest and saying, here you go, you got three downs to scale yeah, it. Given all the other issues, uh, you know, again, I think that's a that's one where you forego the immediacy in order to protect you know and let's wait a game or two and, and let them get us some more reps and practice and get some more opportunities to work cohesively but for the good of the order you i would not do that that would not be my decision will will he can make the decision he gets paid to do that but that would not be my decision i would be fair catching and and, and bringing it out to the 25 what's the coldest game you ever played in uh louisville in 79 it was uh, 27 degrees, which is not horribly cold, but it was before Papa John Stadium. It was in the old fairgrounds uh, baseball stadium, and it had the old, I mean the old artificial turf, the carpet, and it was laid on concrete. We came in after pregame, Tommy, and each one of us in our locker had a legs pantyhose. Remember the little eggs that the pantyhose came in? I'm not saying you personally, but mom, aunts, whoever – we each had a, 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 a legs egg with with pantyhose in it, and, and every, somebody had run down to Kmart, wherever, and bought all of the big mama's sizes. <laughs> and we took her, we took her trousers off, and we put pantyhose on. But nobody told me to cut the feet out of them. I don't know if you know that, but so about the middle of the third quarter, my toes are, are curling back underneath my my feet in the shoes because the pantyhose were were on them. But I wore a pair of pantyhose in that game in twenty seven degrees. There's so many directions that we could go now. First of all, if you want to talk about the evolution of college football and the money that is spent on it, so in the late seventies here at FSU. This is before Nike and before Under Nike Armour and, and everybody yep. else was outfitting everybody in every possible piece of clothing you could use. You literally were wearing pantyhose. Like, yes. William Floyd and I had this conversation a couple of weeks back. We didn't have gloves when I played. They hadn't invented them yet? I, they weren't being used. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have played with gloves, because my hands, my hands would get beat up. You know, your knuckles would get scraped. and all. If I could have worn a pair of gloves, despite the fact that they had some ticky-tack and I might even had a more 
another interception or two. That would have been great. We had a big, big pot of paraffin wax in the in the in the uh, training room, and at the end of every practice, end of every game, you'd go in there and you'd stick your hand down in that paraffin wax for for as long as you could stand it, and then bring it out and then just stand there, both of your hands with wax on them for a minute or two. And the theory was that the heat of the wax would get your fingers and your hand circulation going, and it would help speed up the healing process of all the skin that had been knocked off your knuckles. Um, that If we'd had gloves, I'd have been happy. I'd have been happy, happy, happy. This is making it sound like it was before the leather helmets. With this. <laughs> the only question I have uh, in regard to all this is, is why are you still wearing pantyhose? That's a whole other topic for a whole other day. I don't know that the cold weather is going to be a good thing for uh, the FSU team. The the cold weather doesn't bother me, uh, and obviously it's it's uncomfortable. But if it's if it's sleeting or snowing, if Snow, snowing is better than sleet. That is correct. That is yes. correct. But if it's if it's if there's moisture, I mean that's what really makes it bad. The cold weather, uh, in and of itself, you you get used to that. But when 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 the, you combine that with precipitation of any kind. Uh, that's not a good recipe for kids from the South. What and it's different in rain, I suppose, than if you're talking about an icy field. But you know, the, the first thought is always, well, you can't throw the ball in wet conditions. Then the second thought is, it's easier for the receiver to get open because he knows where he he's going. Did you did you play in a lot of rain or bad weather like that? I mean, what's we your played, thoughts if we're just talking about a complete track we, that's a mess? We played in one horribly rain game uh, down in Tampa. Uh, played Arizona State. Why we played them in Tampa, I don't know. And it rained before the game. It rained during the game. It rained after the game. And the one thing I do remember from that, and obviously I'm on the defensive side, so I'm not having to take the snap. I'm not having to carry the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. But that footing thing, it, it, whether in reality or psychologically, I found myself being much slower in reacting to an offensive receiver or a back. They definitely had the upper hand and knowing where they're going, and I didn't know where they were going, and, and, and reacting to that became a problem. Well, I'm asking that because Florida State hasn't been able to run the ball, and you're talking about a situation. I mean, snow is one thing, but if you've got 20-mile-an-hour winds and the field is icing over, I, I yeah. mean, it just it, – it, I have visions. I know it won't get to this stage, hopefully. I have visions of the Patriots and Dolphins and somebody rolling the snowplow out so that you can kick a field goal. That's what I'm envisioning. I sent you this text earlier this week, uh, and the metrics have gone off. Folks, the metrics have gone off of the charts. Who has the time to do this and who's paying to have this looked at? Hats off to them. But there are two running backs, number one and number two, in the FBS that have – how how shall I phrase this? They have been hit. I can phrase it the way you sent it to me if you'd like me to read it. Read it. There are only two Power 5 uh, backs with a minimum of 70 carries averaging less than one yard before contact. Before contact. Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick. That means they're not even getting one yard before they're being contacted by a defensive player. Now, part of it would be they're running sideways a lot. Uh, based on on the way this this running game works, but I, you know we're we're as far into the season as as we are at this point. I thought it would get better, and the running game just hasn't gotten better. Now it's the same personnel on the offensive line, but when you look at Taggart, his, his running games have been in the top ten in the country the last three years, uh, and he comes from the Harbaugh tree. I mean, it, it's it's not as if he comes from uh, the air raid offense. And running is just an afterthought. He wants to be able to run. It's got to be driving him crazy that this team can't. 
he goes for it fourth and one at his own 30 or whatever yard line it was early in the third quarter, and you still can't get a yard. Which I did not like that decision, by the way. Uh, it was too early in the third quarter to do that. But it also speaks to we – I don't think we have yet, and maybe it will be five or ten years from now when we will, an understanding about how bad this offensive line is. I mean, when things like that start coming out, and again, I'm not picking on, I'm not one of these guys that picks on the kids. I'm not telling them they don't have effort. I'm just saying the combination of injuries and poor performance and lack of execution, because we know, we know Patrick and, and Akers can run the ball. We've seen them do that. And the fact that they're getting hit before they've even gone a yard. And that this running attack is 120th, 125th in the country. It's like 129th. Yeah, for a coach, for a coach that in two other places, South Florida and one year at Oregon, was in the top ten, just speaks to how poorly this entire offensive front has been from a performance standpoint. And last week, I didn't go back and look at the play-by-play, but the first drive of the game, which was resulted uh, in the in the Patrick fumble, Florida State got two first downs before that, and I feel like one of them was a 13-yard run by Akers or something. They had a little bit, and then the very next drive, they're backed up at the goal line, and Minshew goes out, and and uh, which did not help matters. Not at all. Not so. at all. All right. Everybody's Are tired we bemoaning of yet? Well, I mean, we're bemoaning the, the we've facts. All, we've all talked about the same things, and we'll do it some more in our next segment. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We roll on. Keith, you've been to South Bend twice for FSU games, not counting your hoops uh, travels. Yes, yes. Twice. 93 and 03. Yes. You were there for the game of the century. I was a a spectator. Were you holding up a sign for the first college game day on the road or anything? I was not. I was sitting in the end zone. I was right in uh, the tunnel. I can't remember which tunnel, but I I do remember this. You you mentioned this with with, uh, uh, Tim. Uh, I was down really close in the end zone and right by the the tunnel. And I remember watching O.J. Simpson walk back and forth in that end zone because that was the end zone where Charlie's pass fluttered at the end of the game. Yeah. And I remember watching him back and forth and then, you know, go forward to the to the chase and then the trial and then the conversation about the shoes and all the other things related to the O.J. Simpson thing. And, and I, I was right there. I could have reached out and touched him. Obviously, at that point, you had no idea of what well, was Well, he, he did the Orange Bowl that year too, yeah. I think. Uh in Florida State's championship game. How about this? And and, and hats off to T, T. Lang. Uh, if you look at some of Notre Dame's games at home this year, you can get a little bit, a little bit optimistic because they, they really haven't played well necessarily or won big at home. So maybe, just maybe. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's why you play the game, right? I, it's hard for me to see the scenario of it unfolding. Uh, but the you know the effort was better last week. I'm trying to make the case, and I I can't I'm, I could make a better case last week because I didn't think the defense. I, I was really surprised last week that North Carolina State had success running the football the way they did. I knew that they were going to possess the ball. Finley's really good, but what surprised me is every time they needed to get a few yards, 
they reeled off 12 yards on the ground. Well, we knew that their offensive line had performed very well relative to pass protection. Now, obviously, Finley does get the ball out. We've, we covered those things both before and during the game because they only had four sacks uh, through, what, eight games going in there. Um, but they also can run block a little bit, and we didn't expect that against uh, Florida State's front because the front had played so well against the run. Uh, so yeah, that was a little disappointing. I, I will say this though: if you if you go back to the penalties for all the warts on this team, you know DeAndre not looking smooth running the offense. If he gets the the start, the offensive line, the linebackers, you know whatever the whatever warts you want to point out. If you could just cut out the penalties, you would give yourself a fighting chance. I mean, I, I chart the games as I mean the drives as I'm watching them, and literally. And this happened against Clemson. I mean, three drives in a row against Clemson. Nooney drops a ball. Gavin drops a ball. Eberly snaps one over Always the head. Said. That blew up three consecutive drives, basically. And when you do it and you look at penalties, I mean, the first drive of the game, they're starting at their three because of two penalties on the kickoff. Uh, they happen to get a couple first downs, and you get a turnover, blows up a drive. Then the very next drive, Minshew goes out. There's a sack. It's, you know, it's second and 20 or whatever it was. And, and you can just look at it. And, and the point being, when you look at another drive where they scored, well, guess what? They never got behind the chains. They didn't have a second and 24. Well, what I hear you saying, and I think what most Florida State fans would agree with, is that the margin for error is very, very small for yeah. this offense. Yeah. And, that's, and, and when they self-inflict, they can't overcome but, but, it. But it's defensively, too. So even despite the struggles last week in the first half, because I was looking at this, 17 points for NC State came on three drives that all had a 15-yard penalty against FSU. The unnecessary roughness, another unnecessary roughness, and a pass interference. And you can argue whether it was or not. But those three drives were two touchdowns and a field goal, and it was three out of four drives when the game got out of hand. Now, NC State was moving the ball. Maybe they move and score anyway, but don't give them the 15 yards or the half the distance to the goal. And at least two of those pass interference penalties were in the end zone, which is automatic put the ball on the two first down. But, but How are you going to defend that? You're right about the margin of error, though, because in the second half, NC State got to a first or second and 25, and they got the first because they're just further along offensively and were, were able to do it. But it's it's too big a mountain for this team to climb. How big a disappointment, How how bad is it going to be? when we don't go to a bowl it's going to be strange it's going to be strange if it materializes that I mean, way that's, i mean if that's a stretch of of what 36 37 years well it's 81 i mean Oktoberfest is the last year fsu and, and, and they probably should have based on the five teams they played going three and two there weren't enough bowls then uh i mean i i can't get my hands around that that's that i can't I, as an older person, whether you played or not, but as an older Florida State fan, you just want to run in the middle of that locker room and scream, do you guys understand what's fixing to get away from us? Because, again, I don't I don't expect an 18 to 22-year-old to have the same uh, appreciation for those of us that have been around for well, a while. But that is a huge deal, a huge deal. Well, and in, in 10 days, it may be reality, you know, depending on how the results go, because you're down to three chances to win two. Where that'll really sting is after we beat Florida and you're sitting on five and you finish on five and you think back about the one you let get away in South Florida. And the other thing, is there there another team in America right now that would benefit more not from going to the bowl? Just from the practices? But having the 15 extra practices. That's a spring. That's an extra spring when you go to a bowl. And there's probably not another team in America that could benefit more than this one. Well, we'll we'll be staring uh, at the stark reality soon because Boston College may be better than Notre Dame. 
in terms of the issues they're going to they're going to cause Florida State. I mean, I, that sounds a little crazy, maybe, but it is what it is. So, what's your scenario where they win this week? Since you asked me, well, I, I go back to the, the patented: don't turn it over, don't make yeah, any mistakes. I mean, you you have your margin for error is so small that you have to go to the book, whoever wrote it, and you have to do everything the way the book says. You got to score first. Get whatever crowd is out. Hopefully the weather will also keep the crowd excitement down. You cannot turn the ball over. You cannot have a breakdown in the kicking game. You've got to make something happen in the kicking game, a block punt, a punt return. And on defense, you can't give up explosive plays. You've got to make Notre Dame drive the ball 10, 12, 14 plays per drive. Uh, and, and if you don't do any of those things, you're liable to get beat by three touchdowns. All right, so it's the same recipe you've had. It's, I'm I'm not I'm not real bright, Tommy, but I am experienced. <laughs> Got any other pantyhose stories you want to share? Or are we finished with those for today? Uh, they involve Hooters, and I don't want to talk about them on the air. Probably for the best. Although the statute of limitations may be up on that. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Folks, uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and just remember as you're watching it assuming that's on your TV and not in person, you will be warmer than the rest of us will be as you're watching that football game. We'll talk to you again next week. No,